0: That was revealing. Uh, There are certain things that we will will admit under the veil of anonymity that we probably would not admit in polite company. Uh, Honesty can be difficult, and yet, honesty is essential uh, because it's essential to something that every human being craves but struggles to achieve. And that thing that every human being craves but struggles to achieve is this intimacy. Throughout time, into eternity, fallen and broken human beings will want to be fully known and fully loved. That's what intimacy means. That there are people in this world who know you deeply, and yet despite knowing you deeply, they love you completely. Despite all the things that they've discovered about you. And we're going to talk a lot about intimacy this morning, and that's the definition I want you to run with and put in your back pocket. To have intimacy with somebody else is to share with them so that they know you deeply and love you fully, love you completely. And it's what everybody wants. From a Christian perspective, intimacy flows in two directions. There is a need and a desire for intimacy with God and also a need and a desire for intimacy with others. Intimacy with God, intimacy with others. Now, we're in the middle of this teaching series called Irresistible, and the big idea is this. That God's people are called to be an irresistible community of faith. That the way the grace and mercy of Jesus affects us as individuals and then shapes us as a community is so profound that our friends and our neighbors and those who are outside of the church can't help but be intrigued by it, if not irresistibly drawn to it. You see that throughout the scriptures and throughout history. And yet, in the modern Western church, we're struggling to be an irresistible community to outsiders. And so in this series, in this conversation, we're talking about what it might take for us to rediscover some of that irresistibility that is supposed to come along with following Jesus. And one of the key parts of that is being a community of intimacy. Because what every single human being wants, whether you're a person of faith or not, what they want is to be known by the God above them and to be known and loved by people around them. And church, if we really figure that out, then we have something profound and beautiful to offer the world. But intimacy does not come easily. And the easy answer to that is because of sin. You know, In the Christian worldview, Genesis chapter 3 happened and it screwed everything up. Mankind enjoyed perfect intimacy with one another and with God. But what happened is that Adam and Eve committed the first sin and everything went haywire. And what happened is, once they committed that first sin, their their intimacy with with God was destroyed because they responded to their sin in three ways. They responded to their sin by hiding, by deflecting, and by blaming. And you and I are still wrestling with that in the face of our sin. And that hiding and that deflecting and that blaming is getting in the way of our relationship with God, and it gets in the way in our relationship with others. So Adam and Eve commit the first sin, and, and what do they do? They, they hide from God, and God has to go looking for them. You see in Genesis chapter 3, there's like a scavenger hunt where God's like, Adam and Eve, where are you? And they went and hid. And then they took fig leaves, and they covered up their nakedness, which they associated with their guilt and their shame. They covered themselves up. They deflected. Don't look at this. And then when God finally confronted them, they pointed the finger at everybody but themselves. The woman made me do it. The man made me do it. The serpent made me do it. They hide, they deflect, and they blame. And it ruins the relationships. And like I said, we're still doing this. And if you don't believe me, you don't even have to buy into the biblical worldview to know that this is true. Just spend five minutes on social media, and you'll still see people longing for intimacy, yet hiding, deflecting, and blaming. I mean, what do you have on Instagram Other than billions of people who are hiding behind a screen. Who are deflecting attention away from their real selves. Hiding behind a photo that is filtered. And then if you go on Twitter, everybody's angry about everything all the time. And pointing the finger at everyone other than themselves. We're all hiding, deflecting, and blaming. And yet if you were to ask people, well, why are you spending so much time on social media? They would say, well, I... I want to stay connected because there's something deep inside of us that needs intimacy. We we long to be fully known and fully loved and yet the brokenness in and around us just gets in the way. We don't know how to do it and so we feel disconnected from God and disconnected from others. But the good news is that into that mess walks Jesus. Jesus. Jesus walks in, and one of the ways to talk about the work that Jesus does and the things that he accomplishes is that Jesus restores intimacy. Through Jesus, there is a restoration of true intimacy, both with God and with others. So, so Jesus comes into the world, and through his life and his death and his resurrection, he now makes this promise possible, where he says, "Through me, through me you can reveal your full self to God the Father." Without fear of rejection. So you can be fully known. And not only can you be fully known, but, but God will see you kind of unvarnished and unfiltered, and He will still, because of the work that I've done, He will He will accept you, He will embrace you, He will love you, He will forgive you, He will give you a seat at His table, a place in His family. You can be fully known and completely loved. By the one who made you. And that's a deep desire within every single human heart. But Jesus goes further. He establishes a community around that intimacy. And that's the church. Where our call is to mimic, to mirror, to live out that dynamic we have with God in some small way with each other. Where just as with God we get to fully reveal and be fully accepted. We're called as a church to reveal And to accept. And and I'll tell you what, when that happens, the world can't stay away. When when, when a world that doesn't know Jesus gets a glimpse of people who are intimately connected to God, like they feel like the one who made them knows them and loves them, and who are intimately connected to each other, like they share their true selves and nobody's punching or fighting or pushing away, yet they're accepting and loving, the rest of the world says, what? What? That is not my experience online or in real life. They're intrigued by it. When the church lives this out, the world can't get enough. Now, now here's the thing. The church struggles to live that out. I mean, otherwise, there would be people around the world just beating down the doors of every church, looking for the intimacy with God and others that the church can provide. But often, they're not seeing it in the church because the church, guess what, is still full of sinners Who are struggling with the ways in which their sin messes up their intimacy this way and that way? Because you know what intimacy takes that human beings, whether you're a Christian or not, really, really struggle with? We've already talked about it. Intimacy requires honesty. There is zero intimacy without brutal honesty. And it is hard for broken people to be brutally honest. But your relationship with God and especially with others, requires it. I mean think about Jesus and what we just heard from him in, in the reading from the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus is, is introducing the kingdom of heaven to the world. He says, "The kingdom of heaven is at hand, and he introduces the kingdom of heaven with this one word. It starts with R" and rhymes with "E.pent." You know the word, right? He says, repent. Now, what is repentance? Repentance, an easy way to think of repentance is this. Repentance is spiritual honesty. That's what it is. Repentance is spiritual honesty. He's saying, be spiritually honest. Admit to God that you are totally corrupt, absolutely lost, and you are are ruined without his love. Admit it. Admit it. Admit it. And the kingdom is yours. Admit that you are ruined without the love and the grace and the mercy of God. Admit it. See, your relationship with God begins and then lives in this posture of repentance, of deep spiritual honesty where you show who you really are and he meets it with who he really is, loving, gracious, goodness, and kind. But then your relationship with other people in this world, but in particular in the church, begins and lives with the same posture, a posture of Brutal honesty. Hi, welcome to St. Mark. My name's Matt. I'm completely messed up. (laughs) And I can tell that you are too. I mean, no offense. Um, We are not a museum of saints. We are a a profound collection of sinners here at St. Mark. And and I'm going to show you my sins and you're going to show me yours and we're not going to step away from the table. We're not going to punch each other in the face. We're not going to reject each other. We're going to say, I see your sin. Let me show you God's grace. Let me remind you that you're loved and let me point you to something better. That's what we're about. Now, when it comes to being honest, there's there's a couple components to honesty that that we have to embrace as we try to live this out. Uh, Honesty is like it's two sides of one coin. It's uh, on one side of, of the honesty coin you have correction, and on the other side of the honesty coin, you have encouragement. And if you're going to be a person who embraces this brutal honesty um, in the family of faith or outside of the family of faith, you have to hold both of those sides of the coin together. You have to be a person of, of correction and encouragement. It's, it's this, this willingness to be so bold that as we live lives of transparency, you would point out the thing that is, that is broken, unhelpful, unhealthy, or harmful in, in the lives of somebody else. You're willing to point it out, despite the fact that it makes everything awkward. And it's way easier to just let people live deceived lives. It's more comfortable for you that way. But you forego that awkwardness. I mean, you embrace that awkwardness, forego your comfort, and you're willing to be so bold as to point out what needs to be corrected. But you meet that correction with compassion and encouragement. As quickly as you correct your friend and family member in Christ... You are quick to remind them of the love that they have in Jesus and to be a partner in them making a better choice going forward. Encouragement means to pour courage into somebody for something better. To pour the power and the vision into them to make a better choice. And so what we're called to do as honest people is to embrace both sides of this coin. It's also called truth in love. And it's much easier for us to just embrace one side of this coin. There are some people who are all about correction and truth, no compassion, love, or encouragement. And you've met these people. They just walk around tossing truth bombs all over the place. And they leave a path of destruction. And then there are people, and this, is, this tends to be most people, who are all about encouragement and love and compassion with zero truth at all. And these are people who, no matter what you tell them or what you show them about something that's dysfunctional or broken in your life, their response is, that's great, that's cool, I love you so much. That's great, that's cool, I love you so much. But both of those postures destroy intimacy. They really do. Look, if you are all about correction without any compassion, it borders on abuse. It really does. And if you are all about encouragement without any correction... It is enabling the bad and destructive behavior in other people. And and both of those things destroy intimacy because if all you do is correct somebody, they're gonna hide their true self from you because they don't want to get relentless critique from you. And if all you ever do is encourage somebody, then they're gonna hide their true self from you as well because they don't wanna disappoint you, because they've already won complete approval from you. And so, in either case, you're not getting the true self from either person. And so in order to be honest, we have to embrace correction. I see something that's not right. And encouragement. Let me remind you of God's love, and let me show you a better way and be a partner in it. For me, the best picture of this is found in my marriage. My wife, Lisa, is a champion of correction and encouragement in my life. She has her PhD in this. Great example. We have this understanding that if... If I have bad breath, which happens often, like be, be bold enough to tell me, I drink a lot of coffee and I talk way too much, way too fast. It can get bad, all right? My wife will look at me and she'll give me this eye and she'll be like, babe, breath. And then she will hand me a mint or a piece of gum. And if she doesn't have a mint or a piece of gum, that woman will, will beg, steal. She will do whatever it takes to find an Altoid. And she will give it to me. Why? Because she loves me, she loves herself, and she loves the people that I have to interact with. And that, to me, that is intimacy. That is a picture of the kind of dynamic that God's people are called to have with one another. I mean, you might think it's funny, but, but, but it's true. We are to live lives that are in such close proximity to one another that we can see and smell each other's stink. And we are to love each other so much that we would be so bold as to point it out even though it's weird for everybody involved. And then we are to be a partner in them dealing with it, fixing it, moving forward beyond it. That's what it looks like. We're to be a partner in it. I want you to experience this. I want you to experience the joy of intimacy. Intimacy. I want you to experience it because it draws you close to God and it draws you close to others. But most of all, I, I want you to experience this because when you experience intimacy that comes through brutal honesty, the, the end result is really growth. The, the end result for you is growth. You see, God, God brings you into his family and he, he accepts us as we are, fully and completely. But his vision for us is not to stay as we are. God's vision for the church is to welcome everyone, no matter who they are, and then to grow everyone into who they can be. And, and for people of faith, Jesus is both our place of rest and our constant pursuit. So when you come into the family of faith, Jesus is this place of rest where despite your struggles and all of your issues and all that's wrong in your life, you get to constantly return to the finished work of Jesus Christ and know that you're forgiven and you're loved and you belong to the Father, that you are in his grip and nothing can pull you from his grace. And you get to return to that and rest in that. But Jesus is also this this picture in front of you that you you run toward. You see, God wants to mold and shape you into the image and likeness of his son. Jesus is not just a source of rest for you, but he's, he's this, this person that you are becoming, his joy, his peace, his love, his compassion. God wants to mold and shape that in you, and he's going to use the people around you as they speak honestly to you and you speak honestly to them, as you receive correction and encouragement, as you give correction and encouragement, he's going to use all of that to push you, to pull you, sometimes to carry you, sometimes to prod you closer to the image of likeness of Jesus. And you want to talk about irresistible to the outside world? When the rest of the world gets a glimpse of Jesus like his character and his person growing in you, that will get the attention of the people around you. When they see otherworldly peace or patience or love or generosity in you, the rest of the world will take notice. They'll be like, well, that's not what I experience. And then when you tell your son or your niece or your nephew or your coworker who's seeing just a little bit of Jesus manifested in you, that, that it's the result of people who love you enough to speak truth to you, who care for you enough to then pull you, push you, prod you, carry you closer to Jesus, that will not just be intriguing, that will be fascinating to them. Because everybody wants to be loved like that. Everybody wants somebody who sees them as they are, loves them anyway, and pulls them, carries them, pushes them towards something better. That's what God in Christ does for us. That's what we're called to do for each other. And that's what the whole world needs. If you're wondering kind of where you are in terms of intimacy with God and with others, I want to give you just a quick formula to assess. Intimacy is really a combination of things. Intimacy is three things put together. It's proximity plus honesty plus commitment. To experience true intimacy with God and with others, it's about proximity. Are you close enough? Honesty, are you sharing enough? And commitment, are you sticking around long enough? When you have those three things, you get intimacy. So, so think of God in Christ. Jesus Christ was not content with being far off. He took on flesh and come here to us. He's, he's getting close in proximity. And then he brings this message that says this, repent because your sin is way worse than you want to admit. But believe that God's grace is greater than you could ever imagine. And then he says, No matter what you confess, no matter what you do, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not leaving you. I'm here for the long haul today, tomorrow, and into eternity. That's commitment. And you get to rest and soak in those three things and enjoy great connection and intimacy with God. But then here in this place, it's the same formula. Does anybody here know your name? And if they know your name, do they know your struggles too? Have you gotten close enough to anybody here by sitting next to them over the course of weeks, months, and years in church or, or attending a Bible study with them that they can not only know your name, but know your hurts? Is there anybody in this community to whom you have given hunting license over your life? Meaning they get to look at you and forage around and poke around for things in you. And if they see something, they get to say something. Is there anybody that has that kind of freedom and license for you? And has anyone given that to you? Likewise, are you sharing what your struggles are? Are you asking what somebody else's are? Is there honesty in the relationships here? Is it all surface level for you? And lastly, when you do see the ugliness of another person here, and believe me, we all got some ugly. When you see the ugliness of another person here, are you going to stay seated at the table? Or are you going to push away and walk away? And when this church shows you its warts, and every church has warts, if you're looking for the perfect church, then don't leave this one, because the second you get to the next one, you'll ruin it. Because we're all imperfect. But the second you see our warts, are you going to hop out and hop to another? Or will you stick around and stay, and then bemoan the fact that you never feel close enough or deep enough in relationship with God and others? It's about proximity. Are you close enough? Honesty, are you sharing? Commitment, are you sticking around? That's what God in Christ has done for you, and that's what we must do for each other. I have one last poll for you. And and I want to ask you to be just really, really honest, because we're we're in a season where we are working on ourselves here at St. Mark. And, And the question I have for you is this. Do you feel fully known and deeply loved by God and others here at St. Mark? You can text A for yes or B for no. Do you feel fully known and deeply loved by God and others here at St. Mark? In other words, do you feel as though you are experiencing intimacy here at this church? A for yes, B for no. As people answer, I want you to just keep your eyes on those bars. We should not rest, church, until that column on the right is zero. Insofar as it depends on us, that every single person who walks through this door Here's the message of Jesus in such a way that they feel closely connected to God and free to confess anything and everything and feel the full weight of his love. And that people who are here fully accept everybody else as they walk into this place and there are communities and opportunities for people to reveal their true self and have it be met with true acceptance, loving correction, and relentless encouragement. Those 35 people who say, I do not feel fully known and deeply loved by God and others here at St. Mark, I want you to know I am glad you're here. And we are committed, I'm committed to being a place where we are intimately known by our Father, fully known and deeply loved by each other. And that will not be easy, it will require you to get close. It will require you to speak up. It will require all of us to stick around. It will require us to value the growth of each other more than we value our own lack of awkwardness. (laughs) It will not be easy, but it will be beautiful. And when it happens, it will be irresistible. Let's pray.